uh, kid park my car, get my bags, and put on some weight, will you? Hey, Wang, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. Come on, will you? I think this place is restricted, Wang, so don't tell me you're Jewish. Okay, fine. Hey, kid, I'm Al Chervik. I'm playing with Drew Scott today. This is my guest, Mr. Wang. No offense. Oh, I can give me have a half of those, those Vulcan D10s and set my friend up here with the whole schmear. You know, clubs, bags, shoes, gloves, shirt, pants. Hey, orange balls. I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees and give me two of those. Give me six of those. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. Hey, so where do we tee off? Hey, boy! Ow, how are you? Hey! You're all set to go. You're my friend over here, don't you? Sure, sure. How you doing? Okay, right, right, okay. What, are we waiting for these guys? Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? Let's go while we're young. Mind, sir. Trying to tee off. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Okay, you can owe me. I owe you nothing. And welcome to the Nightfly Podcast, August 2020 edition. It's so difficult to say 2020 at this point. I mean, God, it'll be like the worst year anybody's ever remembered. I mean, it is up there with 1942. And uh, bad news for everybody in 2001. One of those kind of years that lives truly in infamy. Well, hello, everybody. We are uh, taping on a Sunday morning, beautiful day outside, but super hot, or so I've been told by the doorman in the building. I chose not to leave the house all day. Well, I just did leave because I well, I couldn't decide whether I'm starting much later than I wanted to, because I'm like, should I get coffee? Should I not get coffee? I just had coffee this morning. Do I go out and get some more coffee because I enjoy drinking the coffee? Should I get a nice tea? Should I just drink water? What's better for my voice since, you know, you're in and out of the air conditioning? Oh, all these White guy problems. Oh, my. Oh, my God. My life is horrible. I couldn't decide whether to get a mocha cappuccino or a regular cappuccino or just cappuccino. I mean, I am going through hell over here. Oh, this whole pandemic is atrocious. Oh, no. What am I going to do? And uh, playing up front, Caddyshack, the four. 
40th anniversary. It came out in 1980. Like last week. That's 40 years. Oh, my goodness. That is just not good news for anybody. The legendary Caddyshack, 40 years. You know what I was thinking? Um, actually, you know, I, I, I actually truly believe I can get Bill Murray to be on this podcast. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been thinking about it, and I've been talking to Dan Filato, who's, you know, Artie's old producer, Artie Lang, and he's, like, really good friends with him. And, you know, apparently he eats at the restaurant across the street, and he does crazy stuff. I see no reason why it couldn't happen, where he just kind of comes by, and he's like, oh, I'm here if you want to do that podcast now, but I'm in my pajamas. I think he's just crazy enough to do it. Now, I'm going to ask. You know what? Obviously, this has been lasting. Sorry, I have to take that sip. It's delicious. I got the, I ended up going to Dunkin' Donuts. Got the mocha, you know, whatever. Like, it makes me happy. I already had coffee this morning. I don't need double coffee. I only have one cup of coffee a day. But there's something about doing the podcast. It's very, it's much more fun than water. Water sucks. It's not entertaining. But I don't think it's good for my voice or anything. And you know, I tend to lose my voice by the end of the show. Plus, I always sing a couple of songs before I come on and just record it, just in case I feel like, you know, singing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I, make sure I'm recording this. You don't want to miss this podcast gold. I, I lost my place. Um, well, I really did lose my... Oh, Bill Murray, right. Uh, you know, it's time to get a, a podcast guest on. I know, I've been waiting. I'm like, well, listen, you know, I'm a stickler for, for sound and, uh, you know, I don't want to do a podcast where it's going to be bad sound. But, I mean, this is going on forever. I mean, I'm going to have to have a guest. I know most of you people, you people... Listen, you people, every time I say that, it sounds horribly racist for some reason, and but it shouldn't. Anyway, the point is, uh, my listeners and friends of the podcast usually like when I'm alone. I know that. But, you know, listen, we also like some of the guests. I mean, some, you know, sometimes the guests are terrific, and it's time for a guest. I mean, Jesus, you know, I love doing the podcast by myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, you know, I also like to mix things up. So, you know, it's it's time for a guest. So I, I'm going to have to do Zoom, even if it sounds crappy. I mean, it's a bummer, but I, I think I'm going to have to do uh, some of the guests I was planning on getting to come down to the cellar just on Zoom because I just want to. I just want to talk to another person, I guess. And like I said, mix it up. And then, you know, maybe I could get Bill Murray. Yeah, but he would be more fun since he comes to the neighborhood anyway. I mean, how much fun would that be to have Bill Murray over my house? <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be sick. That would be sick. I think I could do it though. But maybe it's time to give Amy Heckling a call and just be like, "Look, you want to just do this through Zoom? No, we don't got to. Nothing's got to be awkward. You want to? Should we just do this? What are you doing? You're not doing nothing. Come on." And you know, she's still my girl. I mean, just still want to. In fact, I think uh, me and Rachel and Memo are planning another trip to the drive-in when they're showing Clueless. Because why wouldn't I want to go? Which is so embarrassing when I tell Rachel's firefighter husband, are you guys up for Clueless? He's like, what the, what, what, so what's Jessica's deal? Is he uh, homosexual? Is that, uh, uh, we're not sure. Jerry's still out, but he likes Clueless. 
And she can't even sit there and feel like, no, it's a really good movie, because she doesn't know. Rachel's not very bright, you know, but that's all right. <laughs> she's pretty. She's too pretty to read. That's from The Odd Couple. But you're too pretty to read. One of my favorite lines. Anyway, yeah, 40 years of Caddyshack. I mean, that is some crazy, wacky stuff. And you know what else? Is 80 years that came out in 1940, and it's completely relevant uh, because I, well, I wanted to say it was unfortunate that uh, this person died, but, you know, she was 104, and I'll just play you the clip. Wabbits, wabbits, you know, with big, long ears. Oh, like these? Yeah, and a little white fluffy tail. Like this? Yep, and he hops around and around. Oh, like this? You know, I believe this fella is a R-A-B-B-I-T. Pardon me, but you know, you look just like a rabbit. Uh, come here. Listen, Doc. Now, don't spread this around, but, uh, confidentially, I am a rabbit! Uh, last look. Guess who? Um, uh, Eddie Lamar? Nope. Whoa. Kyle Lombard? Uh-uh. Rosemary Wayne? Nope. Uh, Olivia de Havilland? Nope, but you're getting warmer. Say, you wouldn't be that schooly wabbit, would you? Could be. <laughs> Doggone you, old mean wabbit. Yep, we've played that clip before. Uh, Olivia de Havilland just died this week, along with Regis. Olivia de Havilland, I think she was 104. Can you imagine this poor kid? <laughs> Olivia de Havilland, which, of course, is the, there's nothing. You know, I told you, if anybody ever does the peekaboo with me and puts their hands over my eyes and they say, guess who? I always say Olivia de Havilland. I mean, that's always my answer since the, since the 70s when I first saw that Bugs Bunny cartoon. Olivia de Havilland? But... Poor Olivia de Havilland has to go out, I mean, at 104, where, you know, who even knew she was still alive? I, You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure more than three quarters of the population, I'm going to say 90% of the population probably thought she was dead or didn't think about her at all, which is a horrible thing to say, but you know what I'm saying. And this poor woman led her whole life pretty much out of the spotlight saying, well, the good news is, I was in one of the greatest movies of all time and still to this day taking into inflation the number one box office movie ever, ever. And she's probably sitting there on proud. And then all of a sudden, 2020 hits. She's still alive, <laughs> which is sick. And then she finds out, well, apparently that movie ain't that great. We got to get rid of it. I mean, that's a lifetime of living where you've really lived exactly a hundred years where you're the greatest and now you're the worst lady. I can't believe you were in that horrible movie. How dare you? 
And she just says, well, I didn't start the Civil War. I just appeared in a movie about it. Now, now, you're part of the problem, you old bat. I mean, can you imagine? Ugh. Why, that would be like for me. If somebody said crashing is just so racist, and I'm like, well, I'm not the problem. It's Pete Holmes. He's horrible. Oh, it's not the same at all. But, I mean, can you imagine? You're sitting there, and you're waiting, and you figure you die, and you're like, well, she lived a good life, except for the last four months. Was she sick? No, she was just sick of hearing how Gone with the Wind is a horrible film and should be taken out of everybody's consideration for everything. I mean, that sucks. Let's see. If she was 104... And it's 2012. Oh, right. So she was born in 1920. That movie came out in 1939. It makes me, yeah, it adds up. It's so funny, right? When I think about, you know, when I, I keep, I was watching the Marx Brothers uh, uh, Night at the Opera today, right? I taped it and I was watching it in pieces. And I always, you know, I tell you this all the time. I always go back and look at the year. You know, I'm watching The Wizard of Oz or watch uh, Star Wars even. I'm like, but look at it, 77, 77, you know, or The Wizard of Oz, 39. You got to be kidding me. Same year as uh, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, oh, Jesus, 1939. We got to do a show about 1939 one day, and I think I've talked about it before. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz. There's more that you know, and you just can't believe they were all made in that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean, <laughs> That's one hell of a year in movie making, and it's probably a year that changed it. But I was watching A Night at the Opera, 1935, right? And uh, I just fast forward to all the uh, opera stuff, which is boring. But, uh, you know, it still holds. I was laughing out loud at one point, which I couldn't even believe. Uh, you know, just like, again, I look at the year and I'm like, 1935. And then I say to myself, wait a minute. I was only born like 30 years after this. Uh, this is really embarrassing because I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow, what an old movie. How stupid movies were back then. Like I told you, I was watching. I think I told you this last a couple of weeks ago. I was telling to Sarah. And I was watching The Queen and something took place in 1954. And I was just like, oh, crap. I was only born 10. I'm like, yeah, what? The 1950s. What a stupid time. And I'm like, oh, wait, I was only born 10 years later. So I, the reason I brought it up, I was just thinking about. You know, like when my grandparents were born, like 1904 or something. And I'm like, Jesus, they were almost alive when Abe Lincoln was alive. I mean, I was born only. Olivia de Havilland lasted about 104. I was born 100 years after Abe Lincoln. Only 100 years. That's a lifetime for somebody. Like people that died the year I was born were born, you know, when Lincoln was alive. That's so messed up. And speaking of messed up, how about this pandemic, huh? <laughs> it's so nutty. I am having the best time during this pandemic. This has really been a shining moment for me. 2020 is my favorite year ever. I am so happy. I can't get depressed. It's wonderful. Little things depress me now. Like, um, you know, we're doing a tailgate for the first Giants game. Uh, the first for the Monday Night Football somewhere in Maplewood, New Jersey, some kid's house, you know, because they they're not letting anybody tailgate the Mellon. Perfect night, Monday early game. Oh, normally, I would never go to a Monday Night tailgate. The weather should be great, great, you know, September tenth, and um, you know, we're on this group chat, and then I found out they're like that this other guy that I really hate. Uh, is going to be at the thing. I just I, I just get a bad feeling from the guy. He's kind of a douchebag. He's like, yeah, I sleep with so many chicks. You know, like one of those guys. And he's a complete tool. And uh, 
on the chat, I said something about it because I didn't want him to be there. And they were talking about like, hey, we'll go because apparently he lives around there. And I didn't think he was part of our group. So I said something, you know, like, yeah, good. We'll take a dump at his house. And uh, and then this guy's like, yeah, let's let's add him into the chat, which I kind of knew it was going to start something. And then I was like depressed about that. I'm like, Ugh, I shouldn't have done. Like, that's the only thing for like 10 seconds. And then I got over it. I don't know. I love the pandemic. I actually almost hope it never ends. I don't want things to open up. I like the way they are. I like the fact that there is no comedy at the comedy cellar. And we can just eat outside. Um, when things open up, I, I think I'm going to get depressed. I, that's why I've been so productive. People ask me, why are you so productive lately? Because I got something brewing that's so so awesome. And I will tell you guys, I've been waiting on it. And I will tell you, it's it's hilarious. I promise you it'll be hilarious and you you will want to, you know, we'll talk about this later. And the people are like, why have you been so productive? I mean, look at the, even the uh, videos and pictures I'm putting out on Instagram have been good. And wait till you see, I think this Wednesday I'll have it ready. I'm uh, putting one together. I'll just tell you what it is. It doesn't, there's no secrecy here, but it's another like animal thing because I'm really having a good time with that. And I'm editing it. So like I'm doing like where we're all in the squares again, but I'm doing the Brady Bunch theme. So, you know, it'll open with the song and the do- the cats will be on the left and the dogs will be on the right. And I'm, I'm in the center looking at everybody like Robert Reed or something. I mean, I think it'll be really funny because when I'm doing it and I'm just playing it, I'm sitting there. I was at 7 o'clock this morning. I didn't sleep. I was just editing and I'm just laughing out loud to myself. And I'm like, this is so stupid. And yet I'm like, I have to tell everybody to hopefully this uh, – Wednesday at 2 p.m. It's when I usually release my uh, my Instagram feeds. But it should be funny. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, anybody who likes this podcast is going to like it. Now, somebody who's 22, they might not understand it. But, I mean, it's just stupid. I don't see how you're not going to like it. It's just dogs and cats and a chicken and a puppet and myself. I don't see how that's not going to be funny. People say, why are you so productive? During this quarantine, I said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I know what it is now. There is no fear of missing out. I can sit down and concentrate because I'm not missing a goddamn thing. In fact, if anybody's missing, they have a fear of missing out because I'm doing stuff. (laughs) I win. And I promise you, as soon as everything goes back to normal, that everything will be back to normal with me too. But maybe not. Maybe it can make it work out. When I hear people doing shows and I'm not invited to them or something, I'm like, whatever. I don't want to do comedy anymore anyway. I mean, I would if somebody called. (laughs) Hello. But, uh, yeah, I've just been really busy. I think I'm going to um, write a Back to the Future script like we were doing with Grease and uh, The Godfather and stuff and maybe do uh, one online. I just actually bought Judy Gold's new book. Uh, so I think I can't remember what it's called. Can't You can't say that or can we say that? Something like that. I just bought it and I told her. And you know what? I think I might call her for next week. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast, talk about the book. Um, she's always a fun guest. and I've been on her podcast. We talked for like two and a half hours on her podcast once. You know, when I'm on people's podcasts, we talk for like three hours. So, you know, it, I've noticed that, that people have to sometimes put it into two parts. 
I have a lot to, I am a great podcast guest. I've talked about this before. It makes a lot of sense. I'm a horrible stand-up comic, but I'm an outstanding podcast guest. Podcasts is where I shine. I should have, well, you know, again, I wouldn't have been a good podcast guest if I was like in my 20s or 30s. It's the life experiences. I was at Rhoda's yesterday, and my sister and her were yelling at me that I haven't wrote a, written a book about my life. And I'm like, nobody would believe it. They're like, I've never met anybody like you that has so many messed up, weird things go on. I'm like, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people, but I guess there is odd things that happen to me, which again is so odd because I really do stay in a lot. I really am a homebody. So to have these things, it's almost like you have to, like every time I leave the house, something hilarious happens, even if it's evil. You know, even falling on a glass table is a hilarious story where it turns out. No, I, I ended up not dying. It was hilarious. I don't know. But that's, you know, I mean, I do know that, you know, once in a while I have to say yes to stuff just because you just never know what story is going to come from it. And that is important. And that is why we enjoy the podcast so much. Am I right? I mean, I probably haven't even told you three quarters of the stuff that I probably should say, but I've I've either forgotten it and probably not written it down like my sister tells me to do. And then when I remember it, I relay it to you guys. I don't think I'm keeping anything a secret. And some of the stuff I should keep a, a secret, you know, like all the diarrhea I have all the time, <laughs> which again, really don't have very often anymore. It was very stress related and probably due to my job. Yeah, I told you. I just stopped having stress once I told everybody that I had a job, you know, trying to keep that a secret. Like, no, no, I'm a professional comic. <laughs> what an ass. But I... uh just one that is, I'm sorry, I'm now I'm trying to think of an assemblance of order of how we're putting together today's show. Oh, I, I will tell you this. So I went to Rhoda's yesterday. Again, I'm taping this on Sunday. I went Saturday. And uh, I bought Chinese food, you know, from this old place uh, from where I grew up in Edison, New Jersey. And I used the online ordering app. I stopped on the turnpike and I texted in my order or, you know, use the app or whatever. They're online services. I said to myself, this is New Jersey, and New Jersey is stupid, and they don't know how to work stuff. I think the rest of the world doesn't know about Seamless or Grubhub. Obviously, it works rather flawlessly in New York City, which makes sense, especially in Manhattan. And rem oh, well, I'll tell you in a second. And, but in New Jersey... They still don't get the online ordering thing. So I said, well, I'm going to try it anyway because Jesus Christ, it's 2020 and get with the program. And this is the second time this happened actually to me and Beth, but this particular time I – and I'm looking at their website and it's Chinese restaurant and Chinese restaurants are stupid. Yeah, I'm just saying it. I'm sorry. Chinese restaurants are stupid and the reason why Seamless and Grubhub – were the most greatest things and effective, for me at least, is there is no more lack of communication between my English and whatever their English is. And please, if that sounds prejudiced, please. Well, none of you have ever called the Chinese restaurant and they have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know what they're talking about. They speak horrible English. 
and you're doing the best you can, all right? That's just the way it is. What are, what are you going to do? And so with Seamless and Grubhub, there is no discrepancy. No, I clearly ordered this. How could you forget? It's written right down here. I'm Here it is. Especially if you go in to pick it up, let alone if the delivery guy comes. No, here it is. I can call the place and be like, no, you, you didn't order that. Yes, I did. It's right here. So that's beautiful, right? Takes out all that nonsense where there was always a discrepancy because it's not, I mean, it's not fair. You know, the Chinese people, they, they don't understand English. We don't understand there. So that was always a problem. Uh, so I love using the internet to make an order for any restaurant, really, but especially Chinese food. And I'm looking at their website, and most Chinese restaurants do not keep a cohesive website. And this one did. They had, you know, updates about the COVID virus. They had changed their hours. And it looked like it was completely updated. Like, here's how we use it. When you send the order, we will text you a code. I mean, really, I was impressed. And I said, beautiful. I'm going to do this. I made the order. I go to the restaurant 20 minutes later. They have no idea what day it is. Apparently, the paper was jammed in their fax machine. Fax machine? I came in, I couldn't even believe it. I started screaming at the, I mean, I did the best I could to relax because I've known this lady for a very long time, but I was livid. I mean, you know, I'm like, come on. You guys are like worse than the Italian people who are the stupidest people I've ever met when it comes to owning restaurants or working electric stuff. And she goes, hey, my husband's Italian and she's, you know, Chinese. And I'm like, well, maybe so. But he's obviously an idiot and doesn't know. I mean, this was not cool to say, but I can't help myself. I'm like, no, no, no. What I'm saying, I'm trying to make it better, but it's making it worse. No, Italian people are stupid when it comes to electronics. And I just kept going. And I was not going to say that this wasn't a thing because early on when Seamless and Grubhub first started, I could not use it with an Italian restaurant or a pizza place. They just could not understand the modern technology. And they couldn't get it right. And quite frankly, quite frankly, I ordered on Tuesday and they got it wrong. I clearly put the instructions. Can I have an extra jar of sauce? They've messed that up twice. But the beauty about Seamless is I called Seamless and they refunded my whole order. I said, listen, you don't have to refund my order. Just... I just want to let you know I didn't get the extra sauce, and it's not like the first time it's happened. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. And I'm like, I don't want to I, – I actually don't – I like these guys, but I'm telling you, they're like stupid when it comes to electronics, and, and they're better at it now. I'm talking about five years ago. So when I say in Jersey, forget about it. Don't even try an order. Clearly, they're all 10 years behind, the, all the restaurants in Jersey, and they can't figure out how online ordering works. They're still working with our goddamn fax machine. When I mean, I've seen the restaurants and where they order from, they have big, you know, iPads, like big ones or, you know, big laptops that, you know, send a, put a, a loud sound or a flashing light. And it's very automated. And this Chinese restaurant has a fax machine like, oh, the paper's stuck. And I'm like, you guys suck. And they're like, well, actually, we don't really even open till two. And I'm like, two? It specifically says on your website, 11. And you, you're like, well, we don't even work on Mondays anymore. And no, that was on the website. I mean, your website was very cohesive. That's why I assumed this would be okay. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, food came out in like five minutes. And then I felt like an idiot. But then, of course, I feel like, wait, 
You just cooked this within five minutes. All the stuff I ordered, I ordered $60 worth of food. I'm like, yeah, and then I, but I, I mean, there were, not, I really tried to calm down. Meanwhile, their food was awful. And, ugh, it was, it was horrible. It was some of the worst Chinese food I've ever had. So I guess I won't be going back. And it's a bummer because the one Chinese place we did like, they take orders online, but then they're, they're not open. My sister and I went in with the doors locked. I mean, thank God we didn't give our credit card in, but we made the order. They confirmed the order, and then they're not open when we went to pick it up. Oh, oh, you know it's those little things. God, I love it. I was almost glad that they didn't have it because I love complaining. I am a Hebrew. I'm an old man now. Complaining is my favorite thing in the whole world. So in a way, it made my day. And then, you know, at the end, I usually make up with the people and try and be polite, more polite. And, you know, I'll come in again. But that place, I don't know if I come in again because there wasn't even one dish that was worth going back for. And we just had the basics. I'll always try a chicken and shrimp dish with some sauce. Like I'll try it from different places. Sometimes they get it right. Some, most of the time they get it wrong. Then they put mixed vegetables in and the mixed vegetable. I'm like, this is the mixed vegetable. This is disgusting. I hate mixed vegetables in Chinese restaurants. It doesn't work. They always put celery in. I don't like that. And I don't like corn. Ugh. This place sucked. I mean, I was just really upset about it, obviously, because I've been talking for about 10 minutes about it, which, again, is funny because I ran into that guy, Paul Pope, who I'm trying to have on the podcast, who's a, you know, a writer and uh, artist for Batman and a lot of the DC stuff and you know, even uh, is consulted for Star Trek movies and stuff like that. I'm dying to have him on. And, you know, remember, he doesn't like the podcast because all I do is talk about a sandwich for 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, well, no, that's, that's the podcast, though. Is that going to be a problem for you? <laughs> So you're talking about a Chinese restaurant mix up for 10 minutes, but that's the podcast. I mean, you guys love it, right? I mean, how, you know, it's like, you know, like Dave just got racist. He's racist, but it's like, I really am an equal opportunity racist. If I say something about black people or whatever, and, but then I'm saying like, and the Italians are stupid because I mean, you gotta somehow be like, yeah, he hates everybody equally. He really does. He'll talk about the other Hebrews as well. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny to just say it in person in front of somebody. And I tell you, it was really dumb. The Italians, they have no idea how modern technology works. Oh, and then I was talking about, I was talking about the Greek people too. And I say to my friend Lee Maracas all the time, and the Greek people are even stupider. You see what they're doing over there with their finances? <laughs> oh, but this is the way I've always wanted my life to turn out. I mean, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And let me tell you something. Let's talk about the uh, pandemic for a little bit, if we may. Now, I'm in a really good mood because uh, I got that off my chest. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is really fun because, in a way, if you can handle it financially, obviously, it's fun. And obviously, those, those are the only thing that pains me. How am I going to survive? How am I going to survive? I'm running out of money. But on the flip side, again, if I can find a way to survive, boy, I'm telling you, if this is this, I mean, this this is retirement. I, we've talked about it before. I mean, if this is my retirement, this is beautiful doing this at 55. I mean, it's fantastic. This is when people should be able to retire. I worked at a regular job for 30 years. That's the way it's supposed to work. You work for 30 years and then you retire. And the government usually takes care of you a little bit. I mean, you hope that you can make a little more than what they give you. But, you know, I work for that money and they took out the taxes so I could be. But it's supposed to be 65. It should be 55. It should be in your 50s because then you can enjoy retirement. 
you know, without a lot of aches and pains and stuff like that and just really have a good time. I feel like I deserve it. I worked hard for 30 years. I mean, I didn't do construction work. I mean, I did early on, but, you know, even just going to an office for 30 years, especially nobody wants to be there. You know, maybe if I was a lawyer, that'd be different because that was my plan. But there certainly wasn't my plan. I worked hard as anybody else, put in the time, put in the hours, put in the overtime. Had to deal with a lot of jerk-offs. I don't know. I feel like I deserve retirement at this point. And that's what it should be. I'm from my friend Mike Rice used to say, and I, maybe we talked about this two weeks ago, but he used to have a joke saying they should give you college when you're in your 50s. Make a lot of sense. Just party and hang out. Seems like it's wasted on the youth. Well, it's certainly not wasted. It certainly is fun and a good time. I mean, I feel bad for the kids going to school now because, you know, it's not the same. Then again, I felt bad for kids coming in two years after me. I mean, when I was there, the drinking age was 18. We were allowed to have keg, kegs in the dorms. You know, I mean, it was the last year of like anything of animal house culture that you could have, you know. So nothing's the same, and you still have a, you still have an experience nonetheless. If you you know if it's not twenty twenty, uh, but what I was saying was, I don't think. Think about this. I don't think there would be a pandemic in the eighties if this had happened in the eighties. I don't think we would have stayed inside and not gone to work. Think about this. It's like, because this is so weird, right? Obviously. But if we knew about a, first of all, how would you get the information to everybody? You know, it would be almost impossible to tell them there's something happening. We probably wouldn't have even heard word from anybody for a longer time. But I don't think, I think we would have had to have gone to work because nobody would have been able to work from home. And the whole world would have crumbled. Nobody would be able to work from home. So they would have to go to work after at least a month. They would have to. They would just have to wear masks and take tests, but they'd have to go to the office because society would not be able to survive. Because I keep thinking, you know, I keep thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, if this happened in the 80s, I would probably kill myself, let alone the apartment I was living in. No chance to you know, be with anybody else or see anybody else, you know, except on the phone. I was living in an area that didn't have many other people my age. I mean, you know, and and just nothing to do, nothing to do. You got three channels or whatever, and it just would have been a nightmare. I mean, a real nightmare, which of course it is for some people, but I'm again, I, I just say this modern technology, really, if you, you know, just look at it, it really is a terrific time for this to happen. You know, if it happened any early, like at least 20, you know, in the 90s, anything after the internet, you know, you could maybe survive it. But And it's amazing that this happened because so many more people were work, working from home anyway in the last five years, last seven years. So it all kind of worked out. That's why it's so weird because this wouldn't have happened. I mean, of course, the disease might have happened. I mean, yeah, I guess it could have. I mean, of course, it just happens. It happens. But I guess we would have just dealt with it a different way. I don't think they would have even closed restaurants. I mean, maybe they would have. But I, again, just people wouldn't even 
know what to do. There was no full communication to no alerts on your phone or anything. I mean, you know, you'd have to listen to the radio or TV or stuff. I guess everybody had a TV back then. It's like so many kids who go to college don't even need a TV anymore. It was so essential when we were going to TV, you know, school. You know, now people don't even, I don't even know, do they bring laptops anymore? I feel like they do everything on their phone. And I think Martin Scorsese is so angry that people are watching The Irishman on their phone. He's like, that's not the way it was supposed to be watched. What's the matter with you people? And he talks exactly like that. Okay, now let's get down to business. Here's the worst part of the pandemic, and this has nothing to do with the pandemic. Revel, I don't know whether you heard, and if you did hear, I'm sure you were thinking of me. The motor scooters that I love got shut down, that I've been screaming about for three weeks, saying there's some jerk-off is going to ruin it for the rest of us, and that exactly happened. People are running over babies. They're getting themselves killed. There are all these people going to the hospital because they don't know how to ride a goddamn bicycle. I mean, these things couldn't be any easier. They only go 25 miles an hour. This, These are exactly the people that should not be driving in cars. I feel I'm a very safe driver. I'm a good driver. But some of these people should not have licenses. They should not be in cars. And they certainly, I guess, shouldn't be riding a stupid motor scooter, which goes 20 miles an hour. My God. And they stopped the whole program. Stopped the whole goddamn program. Remember I told you two weeks ago they suspended a 1,000 people, and that still wasn't good enough. People suck. I told you. Three weeks in a row. I'm like, they're going to ruin it. Oh, man, that sucked. And I wrote to them and I said, listen, I'm sorry a bunch of jerk-offs have to ruin it for the rest of us. You remember how angry I was? I'm like, people just parking at the fire hydrants, riding on the sidewalks and the bike lanes, going over the bridges when it's very clear. And I was, you know, tattling like like an old man would because I knew they were going to ruin it. Not because I was, I give a shit what they do. I just knew they are going to ruin it for me. That's a different kind of tattling. It doesn't, you know, what do I care what anybody does if it doesn't affect me? But this affected me, and I knew it would, and I'm so pissed. It was, I mean, now, you know, all right, yeah, can I still get around town with the city bike? Sure, I can. But if I want to go to Queens or something, you know, how am I going to get around there? I don't want to take the subway. I don't want to take an Uber or a cab. I mean, I've been priding myself. I haven't been in a, a taxi or a subway since February. And keep it up. But, you know, sometimes I just take out that bike for joy rides at five in the morning because it was so awesome. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, this did happen with city bikes when they first came out, too. There's always a bunch of assholes who have to ruin it. Like with the electric bikes, they came out. They're like, oh, oh people keep dying on them because they're morons. You know, morons. Plato, Socrates, morons. Oh, but anyway, I wrote to them and I said, thanks a lot. You guys are all right. You know, I'm sorry. It's a couple of, you know, idiots. And um, they wrote back, oh, thanks a lot. We're actually, you know, we're going to reopen. We got a plan. I'm like, good. I hope you do. And I really just hope you just, you know, if you want my help, it's my pleasure to police the area. 
Oh, man. I mean, that was such a sweet magic deal. So now I take the bike in there. You can't find any of the electric city bikes, so I got to take the regular bike. Now, do I mind getting the exercise? No. What I do mind, when I show up somewhere all sweaty because I've been running? Yes, because that was the beauty about the bike. I can go there on the bike because then I won't get sweated up when I go somewhere in the heat. And then I can either walk or take the city bike back and get the exercise. But I do not want to show up all like spritzing, schwitzing um, after, you know, huffing and puffing on the bike. And that sucks. And that's what happened this week. And meanwhile, I mean, that's that's what happened. I So, so on Wednesday, you know, Wednesday's my drink at night. So I took the regular city bike and I went down and it wasn't too bad, but I couldn't stop sweating. You know, it wasn't bad. I went very slow and there was a breeze. So it wasn't horrible. But, you know, once you sit down, it just comes out. And I was sitting at the table and it's not like it was cool. It was a little humid. Still, the weather, you know, you can complain about it, but it's like humid out today, but there's still a breeze. And like I said, it's still been a very pleasant summer and it's august so we're expecting it to be humid but it's a it's a normal august day today but i'm outside and he's like, oh it's so hot outside and i'm like shut up it is hot because it's august Ugh. anyway <laughs> relax um so on wednesday so then you know me and atel and russ and uh, nick went down to the cellar and we had dinner and we had a lovely time and uh oh and then uh chris rock showed up i didn't even recognize him he looked really good and uh, we all went to get ice cream together <laughs> which is funny he's like the one guy i really don't know i always have to keep in mind don't you remember me no no i was at that night of a thousand stars i introduced you to or i reintroduced you to john bon jovi do you remember that you fucking piece of shit <laughs> no he's he's such a nice person but he's very shy which is weird, right? But he's very, very shy. So, but he was very nice and we had another good time. And I mean, what's better than that? You're just hanging out, you're eating outside and you're hanging out with Chris Rock. I mean, he would normally be at the comics table. So it was really fun. And Joe Mackey was there and um, Ryan Reese was, you know, like a bunch of the guys. It was all good people, Ian Finance. We had a really nice time, you know, like an old school good time hanging out. Um, you know, without masks while we were eating, which is pleasant. Then, of course, you know, put them right on. So that was a, a pleasant evening. And um, but then so then I was like, well, that's my, you know, done and done. That's my weekly activity. And then I move on. Then Thursday, I planned nothing. Well, I was thinking about going to governors in Long Island, but I was like, nah, I can't wait to not do anything. Because I, oh, I guess I drank. Yeah, I drank a little much. So I was, I was uh, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't get to walk home because Attell drove me home, so I was a little drunk when I got home. Not too much. I think I had four beers maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, I'm just not used to drinking, so I think I had a rough night's sleep, whatever. Anyway, Thursday, I'm just hanging out. I'm doing stuff. I'm working, and I'm at the computer, and around 6.30 – I get a text from Liz from the comedy cell, the manager, and I'm like, oh, no, they're going to ask me to host the uh, show. You know, I hate that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I'm totally free, and I'll do it. But I'm like, damn it. You know, then I then I get a panic for two hours. But no, she goes, it's she calls me, which never happens. She calls me, and I'm like, what's going on here? She goes, just gal, put pants on 
And I'm like, how did she know I wasn't wearing pants? Put pants on, get on the city bike, and get down here now. The, I think I only got one other call like that my whole life <laughs> where somebody's like, put pants on and get down here now. Uh, I don't even know, but I mean that I would, you know, she would. So I'm like, what? What is happening? And she goes, Mateo is cooking for all of us. I'm like, he is. He's like, yeah, he's making all this pasta. So come down. And I was like, so honored that I that they invited me. That I immediately, where normally I'd be like, I don't know, he's planning to be inside. She's like, I said, put pants on. Like she insisted. She knows me, I guess, so well that she demanded that I come down. Be here by seven fifteen. And I'm like, well, I don't know. If, and then she just hung up. And I I got dressed. I brushed my teeth. I put on my mask and caught the city bike. I mean, I was like, damn it. There's no electric bikes. This would be a great day for the for the revel, but it doesn't exist. So I'll take the bike. And then as I was going, I kept checking for electric bikes just in case. And I found one. So then I was down there in 20 minutes, maybe 15. The electric bike. Oh, yeah. That's the one. That's just as good as the Revel. Just as good. If I can get an electric bike, I can go anywhere, really. So, yeah, I went down, and it was just five of us. It was it was great. I, I just, again, I was so honored to be invited. It was just me, Mateo, Liz, Val, who's also the other manager from the cellar, uh, Keith, and Keith Robinson. And, the, uh, and that's it. And mateo made these unbelievable vats because he just moved across from the uh, cellar so he made all these vats of pasta one was pasta carbonara don't tell my mother and the other was this beautiful pasta like big thick pasta in red sauce this beautiful red sauce he made he bought all the ingredients at that place Italy on 23rd street and he made this red sauce which was fantastic because it was like boy this is a really great red sauce it's you know it's not acidic in any way it's not it's not too sweet. It's not. It was. It was perfect. And he's just. You know. And I was like. You know. This guy. What is that? Not fair. That he's a good cook. He's an artist. He's become a good comedian. He sings. Screw him. And she goes. It's your fault. You brought him down here. And I'm like. Damn it. I regretted that decision ever since. I never should have had him audition there. But he. He. I couldn't believe it. He made these beautiful pasta. We just sat out there and ate. The girls were drinking wine. I just had an iced tea. It was so much fun. Keith Robinson is so hilarious. And uh, I was just so honored to be invited. But, you know, get in that call. Put your pants on and get down to the cellar now. It's like uh, that time I uh, called my friend, which we definitely talked about in the podcast, when Roger Daltrey was at the Boston Comedy Club. And I called my friend Lawrence and I said, put pants on (laughs) and get down here now. Which, of course, is the scene from... uh, about last night with Jim Belushi talking to Rob Lowe. Get your ass down to mothers now. So only once in a while do you get that call. I think the last, I feel like the last time I got it was this uh, girl, this uh, bass player I was, you know, kind of going out with. And she's like, get down here now. I'm in town and I'm horny. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm like, get down here now. And don't be wearing pants when you're here. But, you know, one of those kind of calls, and usually they do happen about 1 or 2 in the morning normally, so it's it's great to have it happen at 6.30. Um, it's so rare that it, uh, yeah, that it happens at a decent hour. <laughs> but 
I was like, this is great. This is exactly the kind of call you need during something like this and do something nice. And we all ate outside. And again, you know, it's kind of hot, but still it was pleasant and there's been a cool breeze and what a lovely night. And everybody was really fun. And uh, and then I walked all the way home so I could walk off the pasta. So that was a good exercise day because I haven't been keeping up on my yoga this week, which uh, I don't know why. I think I just need a new routine. But yeah, super fun, right? It was really, uh, really exciting. I was excited. I almost wanted to again do the podcast when I got home. I'm like, guess what happened to me tonight? It was super fun. Oh, Lynn Coppets joined us. I don't know if you know her. She's a pretty big comic, and she bought her dog, and she was hanging around, and she was fun. And they were telling stories about opening for Louis in like Israel. Her and Keith were opening for Louis C.K. in Israel, and all these other foreign places where Louis is actually still popular, where nobody cares about what he did since he didn't. You know, sleep with anybody underage or actually sleep with anybody. You just masturbated in front of girls. Is that really a crime? If you tell them you're going to do it, that is the ultimate question. Yeah, but there's other forms of reasons why he's not forgiven truly yet. But other uh, countries don't give a shit. So... uh. I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my uh, list. Oh, here's something. Um, yeah, we talked about that. And then I just saw this in the paper today. Mario Cuomo, get, get this, Governor Cuomo, who I don't really care for, slammed New York, you ready for this? Slammed New York's finest, that's the police, Saturday, for standing by while bars and restaurants ignore coronavirus safety rules. What an asshole this guy is. He's yelling at the police because the police... In this climate, don't feel like getting patronized by a bunch of people that aren't holding the guidelines for the masks? Are you kidding me? They're terrified to talk to anybody. You can't blame them. I mean, it's a mess. Do you know crime? The front page of the Post today said crime is up a thousand percent. There's more shootings up until August than there was of all 2019. Well, no kidding. Because the police are afraid to do anything. What did you expect was going to happen when you're talking about defunding the police? Jesus Christ, that's a lot of goddamn nerve. That's the one thing they don't need to do during this. Oh, you know, this restaurant isn't being like, shut up. They don't have time for that. They got to handle all this other shit. Oh, that really just pissed me off when I saw it. I couldn't believe it. Also, they have, you know, this thing called Strollers Endure Three-Star Viral Danger. Because, you know, they have all this, all these restaurants, they're taking up all the sidewalks. So, like, nobody can walk by. With, there's no way you can stay six feet apart from somebody sitting at a table a lot of times on the sidewalk, especially when there's scaffolding. I just did it walking by the Dunkin' Donuts, all the scaffolding, and there's a diner out there, and there's people on both sides of you. So nobody is social distancing, walking by, or sitting there. And what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? What is that diner not supposed to make any money? What are you supposed to do? There's been scaffolding over that building for three years. And even if there wasn't, they'd still have to, you know, set up something. I I, I just, I feel bad. Nobody knows what to do, but you don't need the police. The, the restaurant should be smart enough to say, here's, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. That's That's not the police's job. I mean, I think they're you know, writing a bunch of places up once in a while, but he's getting angry at them. They've had enough problems already. My God. Enough of that. Let's get to the good stuff. 
What is the good stuff? Well, I had such a good time uh, two weeks ago doing the old 80s WICB playlist that I was uh, playing from this thing, you know, and, and, and kind of Googling and having some fun figuring out the song titles to the groups that played them. And I asked Mike Slaughter from WYAP, finally got the letters right in Pittsburgh. I said, do you think you could, um, you know, give me like 10 more songs that, you know, just the titles and I'll do the research on my own. I like really had a good time and I'll just play it on the podcast. And he goes, um, not only could I do it, but I could do it every day for you because <laughs> that's how easy it is for him. So he gave me a list of the stuff, you know, and from the, from the, you know, the 80s, I said, I think the time period I want was, uh, you know, 86 or, you know, between 84 and 86, something we'd play on the radio that I would normally not play because, you know, I like the cars and Huey Lewis, but I was working at an alternative college music radio station and he gave me a list and, uh, I had again, a really great time trying to find out what the songs were. And I think, Mike, if you're listening, I think I got them all right. Uh, there was a couple I was going to call them. I'm like, I just can't find this one. But I really kept trucking, and I think I got them all right. And there's a couple of really interesting ones that you'll be like, oh, my God, I remember that. I didn't know they did that. I didn't know that. So um, let's do that. And we started off with the one that I, I knew right away because we've even uh, talked about it about two months ago. Hi there. I'm on my way. Yeah, this was such a great song. I mean, I love the way it starts. Hi there. So I definitely knew that one big time. I assumed it was Peter Gabriel. You know, it's one of those things. You see the uh, song, and then you're like, wait, big time. I'm positive it's Peter Gabriel, but I don't know. Maybe he's slipping me a Mickey, or as a Mikey Sodder, as they call it. And then the next one, I had no idea what it was. It took me a while to find it, and then I realized when I saw it, I, this guy's been talking about this band for years, and I had never heard of it before. It was called... I didn't remember it either. It doesn't sound familiar. It's called Swimming Ground. Anybody know? Certainly sounds like college radio from the Meat Puppets. The mighty, mighty Meat Puppets. I couldn't name one of their songs, so when I know Mike, you know, any anybody in an alternative radio station like him or Matt Pinfield when they both used to work at WHTG down at the Jersey Shore, 106.3. Used to definitely know the Meat Puppets, you know. Actually, and then I was like, yeah, it's not a bad song. I don't hate it. But then um, the next one, 
I again, no idea. I mean, I still don't even know the name of the band. I mean, really, I, it's it's it, it, and you know. So the name of the song is "Summer Love." So obviously, I'm only thinking of "Summer Lovin'" from Greece, but that was not it. I found it. Some band called APB. I I, I do not remember this at all. Right? I, do you guys know it? Because I it doesn't it doesn't ring a bell in any way, shape, or form. But this one now I knew this one right away from the title, and I mean I've always hated it, but I totally remember it. Now, I had no idea who sang it though, but I remember I remember playing it and being when I saw it on the list. I'm like, oh, crap! I guess I got to play that piece of crap. Oh my god! I'm already bored. But I totally remember it. The Salvation Army band played, and the children drank lemonade, and the morning lasted all day, all day. And through an open window came, like Sinatra in a younger day. Uh, who would write a song like that? These people stink. The Dream Academy. They're just so dull and boring. And the and now the thing about them is, let's see if you recognize this one. See if you know what movie it's from. I'd forgotten, but it's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they're going through the museum. How do you like that, right? Who knew? It's the Dream Academy's version of please, please, please let let me get what I want. And the funny thing is, is that um, I, I think John Hughes liked the uh, the, the sound, but um, he he didn't use the actual song. He used the instrumental because the song, I guess, he didn't care for. Only use the instrumental. I wonder why. But I like it better.
I mean, um, it's not bad. They didn't write it, though. I think the Smiths wrote it, and yet they did a cover of it, which is, again, odd. You know, why not use the, uh, the Smith song? But I don't know. I mean, listen, we have to trust uh, the great late John Hughes, who was the greatest. But uh, the Dream Academy, whatever happened to them? It would be funny if uh, Mike Sautercross was like, what are you talking about what happened to them? They just wrote like three big hits in 2020. <laughs> but that ain't happening. No, 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 no. You guys sure owe me a lot of money for all that beer. Well, we thought it was on the house because the lady gave it to us for free when we came in. No, no, no. So the next thing he actually wrote was this song called Panic. So I, for some reason, I was thinking of Panic at the Disco, <laughs> which is just a band. But no, it's the actual Smiths, which is ironic. But I'm pretty sure I knew this one. Yeah. I remember this one. I just didn't know what it was called, and I didn't know who it was by. And this is what made the game fun again. Yeah, I totally remember it. And it's I liked it, but I totally remembered it. I remember I can remember being at the radio station and picking on uh, Smiths. Uh, uh. Again, you know, I really only just wanted to play Huey Lewis stuff, so it was very difficult for me. So this next one was called When All's Well. Again, no idea. But then when I looked it up, I said, oh, my God, I totally remember the name of this band. But I couldn't name one song if you paid me. I kind of remember this song, though. Here's what all's well by everything but the girl. I like it though. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I like it a lot. Fun. Everything but the girl. I think it might be a girl singing. I thought because I, when I looked it up, I'm like, wait, who the hell is that? And it turned out to be a girl. I think it's a couple. I think they're married. Everybody's still around, you know. They're just, you know, old. Like all of us. It happens. How about this one? Totally knew this one, too. Had no idea that I remembered it. Didn't know what it was. Must have heard this a hundred times. Here's New Order with Bizarre Love Triangle. I would never have guessed that was the name of the song. I had no idea. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, yes, New Order makes sense. Must have heard the song a hundred times. Never knew it was what it was called or the band.
like that part. remember this right the more it plays the more i'm like oh my god like i almost picture where i might have been here's the best part about this band though they're fascinating new order i mean i don't know whether you know there's probably some of you out there like oh you know what else they did tell me if this song rings a bell Pretty Pink, ring a bell? You know it does. That's John Hughes. He was all about that 80s alternative music. It's amazing, right? I totally remember this. What is this when like everybody's doing their own thing and you know Ducky's like going past her house and he's all upset and everybody's getting ready for the prom or something? It's just so funny. But and here and so he used a bunch of New Order songs. This one, I think, comes in later. You'll recognize it. This is brand new film. It's pretty and big. This is Molly Ringwald. You might remember her from The Breakfast Club. She's terrific. Actually, Molly Ringwald is one of the worst actresses I've ever seen in my life. And I am getting really pissed off that she seems to be back. She's horrible in Riverdale. She's horrible in Kissing Booth. She needs to be stopped. I understand why people hire her. Because you want a little nostalgia in your life, but she is a very, very bad actress. Sorry. If there's a bunch of, for some reason, Molly Ringwald fans out there. But uh, besides that all happening, uh, this is the uh, John Hughes commentary uh, track from the museum scene in Ferris Bueller. This, uh, this is very very self-indulgent scene of mine this was a this is chicago art institute which when i was in high school was was it was a place of refuge for me I, I went there quite a bit i loved it i knew all the paintings i knew the building and this was a chance for me to go back into this building and show the paintings that were my favorite kandinsky that's picasso which one of my favorites is giacometti on the right the old guitarist, Balthus, on the left. This is this I thought was very relevant to uh, to Cameron. You know, the tenderness of a mother and a child, which she didn't have. And Matisse. The uh, museum hadn't been shot in until we until we uh, approached them. This is a nice little moment here. 
These were all little improv things that we did at the, on the spot. These three Picassos were always my favorite, to put each of them in front of them. And then this, this, this picture, which I always thought this painting was sort of like making a movie, you know, the pointless style, which are very, very close to it. You don't have any idea what you've made until you step back from it. Um, I used it in this context to see, he, he's looking at that little girl, which again is, you know, a mother and a child. The closer he looks at the child, the less he sees, of course, with this style of painting, or any style of painting, really. But the more he looks at it, it, it there's nothing there. And I think he's, he, he fears that, that the more you look at him, the less you see there isn't anything there. That's him. Well, he's definitely missed. Uh, he's so interesting. Now, I, I've never seen the commentary for Esbula's Day Off, but now I want to see the whole goddamn thing. I didn't even know he was alive enough to do that, you know? So that was kind of great. And then, you know, where the music is definitely from. And then I found this unbelievable clip. are just two of the guys chasing Molly and Pretty in Pink. And to put it simply, one's the good guy and one's not so good guy. And I'm here with both of them now, Andrew McCarthy and James Spader. Uh, James is the not so good guy. Was well, it I don't fun? Know about that. Well, I thought you were. Right. Was it fun pa- playing the bad guy? It's always fun playing the bad guy. I, I really hated you in the film. I mean, I loved your acting, but right. you convinced me, and I really thought... that you could pour all over oh. me if you wanted. You just, you just poured it over Andrew's brand-new jacket. Uh, Andrew, uh, do you think in real life that high schoolers are so rude and there's such a great distinction of rich and poor? Absolutely. <laughs> was it like that when you went to school? And which one were you? Of course it was. Of uh, course it was. Were you the rich guy or the poor guy? Well, I was... I uh, no, no. I had a car, and so it was a boarding school, and I had a car. And, I mean, if you got the car... Then you're hip, right? Well... You're cool. No, you may, you may not be hip or you may not be cool, but you at least have the liquor, so, I mean... I, I see. Well, you can't say liquor on MTV. Oh. You didn't drink and drive, I know that. Okay. No. There won't be liquor. <laughs> what about at Kisser, your high school? Did you, Andrew, did you actually go to your high school prom? No. No? Why not? I couldn't get a date. Couldn't get a date. Later on. It's a sad tale that I'd really like to talk about. No, it just wasn't a big deal, I guess. I know a couple of girls here tonight. If you're still looking for a date, I could probably take care of it for you, really. Where are they? Well, I don't know. Anyway, this is wrap it up. This is, let's talk about the jacket. These guys the ad lib interview right now. This is the ad lib interview. Right. Right. We can pretty much yeah, say anything wanted. we want. Okay. Where did you like the jacket? I got this in Italy. I went all the way to Italy just to get this jacket. Cost my family a fortune. Swear to God, really. Yeah, sporty. Anyway, we'll meet more stars, have more fun, more music right here when the Pretty in Pink premiere party at the Palace continues after these messages. How crazy is that, right? The Pretty in Pink premiere party. James Spader looks amazing. There, He's obviously hammered with his pal, Andrew McCarthy, which, of course, makes for even a better deal that those guys are actual friends in real life. And the weird part is is that uh, the person interviewing them, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, 
but uh, the, but the, that's why it was so bad. Such bad interviewing skills. He didn't know where to put the mic or anything. Was the guy who wrote this song? Waybill from the tubes. Why was he interview? Who knows why they had Fee Waybill interviewing James Spader and Andrew McCarthy for Pretty in Pink? But uh, <laughs> it is a hilarious '80s true moment captured on film. So when you tell your grandchildren, be like, "I don't understand why would they hire that?" No, 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 son, I. I my grandson, I, I cannot tell you why. You, you, you're not understanding the concept of the 80s. The 80s cannot be explained. It's just, it's, it's just a thing that happened. Can't explain the fashion, the music, the movies, nothing. Going back to uh, the other songs, though, here's the next one, and it's called Walking in L.A. I had no idea, but must have heard it a thousand times. You know, this group is called Missing Persons. I would never have guessed, ever. But we all know this song. I mean, probably remember, because, I mean, it just screams 80s, right? So I was looking at this girl. I can't remember her name. It's something weird. And she, I mean, if I ever meet Lady Gaga, I'm going to ask her if she took a lot of her character from this woman. You got to see it. Look at the video. But... I love when she does the little, I mean, it's good. It's a fun song when she makes those little high screeches. It's uh, That's hard to do when you're singing. I could not do it. I really enjoy this song, though. I mean, it just, you know, it's just a blowback. I want to hear the screech again. I'm only waiting for that. Now we're in the bridge, so who knows if we're ever here again. I guess I can move it along and just keep thinking it's going to happen. <laughs> you got to love the 80s. They didn't care. And then, of course, the instrumental. Everything had first, first, bridge, instrumental, chorus again. That's the way all songs worked in the 80s. They still might. 
Right, guitar solo. And sometimes in the 80s, the guitar solos were also, they would add a horn section. I don't think they were ever replaced. But you probably know them more from this song. Everybody knows this one. Can't believe they have more than one head. goes again. <laughs> I love it. Sexy. I didn't know she did it in every song. It's a signature. She looks just like Lady Gaga. Yeah, I remember that one. Totally. And that's from 1982. That's when all this started, you know, like when the Go-Go's came out. Meanwhile, there's a documentary about the Go-Go's on um, HBO, which I just recorded. So we'll probably talk about that next week, you know, unless we have a guest. Very excited to see it, too. Very excited. I mean, that's 1982. Go-Go's, these guys, Human League, right? Don't you want me, baby? Totally remember, like, that's something. Flock of Seagulls. That's when all this started, I feel like. 82. Meanwhile, so then he wrote this thing and just said Superman. And, you know, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of the, the Kryptonite song, right? The 90s one. And I'm like, well, it can't be that one. Totally forgot that R.E.M. had this song. I totally forgot about this song. It's like one of their first songs before they, you know, had, you know, before they really had success, like later in the 80s, I guess, and certainly in the early 90s. I was like, I'm not interested in this group. Right, because this was, I remember the, uh, Michael Stipe, I think his name is, he just used to like mumble through songs. And then all of a sudden they changed their style and you could hear his words and then they became popular. And here's the last one that I just um, didn't know, still don't know it, that he gave me called Love's Great Adventure and it's by Ultravox. Must have heard about them, but never knew anything they played and don't really care for this song. But it screams 80s. How are you? Yeah, I'm bored by this one. It's not working at all. But wasn't that fun? Oh, wait, what's this one? I didn't play this one. 
Is this like another one that, uh, let's see. Oh, right, of course. It's another new order song from Goddamn Pretty and Pink again. He must have used, like, I can't believe they didn't just do the whole album soundtrack, like uh, Dave Edmonds doing that Porky's 2 soundtrack. My God. Right. <laughs> another Pretty and Pink song from New Order. You, rec- you recognize it, right? Wow. Jesus Christ. What happened to those guys? Well, again, you know, if you keep up with it, then you probably know what happened. I say nothing happened. And who cares? Uh, I think there was one last thing I wanted to say, or was that it? I felt like there was uh, something else I had planned. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I did have something planned. Yeah. (laughs) We'll wait till next week again, because we had a good time today. And uh, I'm pretty happy with the performance of the podcast. I really enjoy doing those... uh, the songs, I you know, it's like a, it's fun. He just gives me the titles, and I do the research, and I'm like, and you know, it's the best when you hear it because I can see it, and I'm like, uh, by who? And and I'm like, oh my god, I totally remember this song. Like every new order song we just played today, I'm like, wait a minute, I know this song from somewhere, but I don't know where. That John Hughes man, you know, he's like Mateo. I can't believe he's gone. Not only did he. I mean, the way that, you know, you to come in that quickly and just be like, oh, this is a John Hughes movie, you know, when, you know, like a Martin Scorsese movie. Oh, this is like a this is like a Scorsese movie. This is like a John Hughes movie. I mean, again, when you have something you can title as, you know, a Dave Juskow movie, (laughs) but for somebody like John Hughes and then, you know, and again, using just like, I mean, songs that no, none of the studios were using alternative 80s they were using the power of love and uh you know bands that you know foreigner and uh, urgent or whatever you know that's what hollywood was using this guy comes in he's not a hollywood guy he lives in chicago and he's like no no there's a whole bunch of other things out there that make sense for my movies i make movies about misfits that's what i do and people that are not pleased with their parents, and we need an alternative form of music. And and he found it. I mean, it's it's almost as if he asked for a bunch of groups to just come up with something that makes sense for 80s misfits, and he got it, and his movies are all the better for it. And it's uh, quite fascinating to also be that prolific in soundtracks. You know, Scorsese uses 50s and 60s music all the time you know goodfellas and casino and stuff it's always you know stuff except uh, we played the devo song the other day or something for the stones so maybe he's a little out of the box maybe with devo but john hughes went for it all he's using stuff you never heard of before but he'd heard of it and he's like this is what i'm using and it'll fit perfect here and to even have that knowledge of new order when nobody knew what new order, i mean you know a couple people like mike Sauter, you know people playing on a college radio station i mean perfect you're hitting a genre that's made for high school, college students who are the only ones listening to this music. Unbelievable. And God, him, Harold Ramis, just, you know, die at 50. I'm pretty sure they both smoked a lot of cigarettes. So that, of course, makes anybody our age feel much better. 
But uh, what a waste, you know, when somebody's that talented. It's such a bummer. But what are you going to do? Like I said, Dave Juskow, like the Marine Corps, will live forever. And uh, after all saying that, like, boy, these guys are geniuses. Dave Juskow goes back to the Brian Adams music because that's what he believes is the future and past of rock and roll. <laughs> How are you, everybody? Yeah, the night fly. Well, that's our show for this week, the uh, August, what, 4th edition, I think. And so that means next week will be the birthday edition, I believe. Yes, it'll be August 11th, and my birthday will be two days later. I have no idea what I'm going to do. It's a very strange time for birthdays. Everybody, you know, I'm a birthday guy, right? So I always wish everybody a happy birthday. And all this year I've been saying, hey, great time to be with family and friends and lots of your friends, you know, and I'm like, and then I always put, oi. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, how do you celebrate a birthday now? I mean, I guess I'm lucky I'm in the summer because I can actually go out and see people. I mean, in the winter and this year, I mean, it must have been very sad. But I'll find, I'll find something to do and go out and hang out or find a show to do or something. I, you know, I always find something, something. But that, uh, maybe I'll tell you what it is next week. Uh, the oh, like, Would that be the birthday edition or would the week after be the birthday? No, then I'll tell you what happened to the birthday edition. Anyway, next week is the big birthday edition, and uh, we will see you then. I want everybody to take care. Enjoy the rest of your summer? Does anybody say that anymore? Well, anyway, if you can, there's one month left. I guess you kids going off to school? I don't. What is happening? Anyway, I'll see you next week on the Nightfly, everybody. It's Dave Juskow signing off. Have a great week. Good night.